Welcome to Animals Today, your home for a serious talk about animals. I'm Dr. Lori Kirshner. We have a great show in store for you today, so I hope you'll stay with us for the entire hour. And we're going to begin speaking about and learning about one of my favorite, well, one of America's favorite animals, the eagle. Animals Today is a project of the nonprofit animal welfare organization Advancing the Interests of Animals. Peter and I volunteer our time and efforts to bring you interesting and timely stories, news, and features from around the world each week. And there's always something worth talking about in the world of animal rights and animal welfare. I want to remind you to join us on Facebook, where we post each show on the Advancing the Interests of Animals page. And please join the discussion there. You can also go to animalstodayradio.com to listen. And of course, you can go to iTunes, and I encourage you to subscribe to Animals Today there. Now on to the Eagles. And I want to begin by telling you about the three main events or commemorations having to do with these majestic birds. First on the calendar is Save the Eagles Day, which occurs on January 10th. And on June 20th each year is American Eagle Day, promoted by the American Eagle Foundation. This day commemorates the anniversary of the bald eagle becoming our national symbol, and the American Eagle Foundation is working hard to make June 20th a recognized official national holiday. And finally, many communities around the country have bald eagle appreciation days or weekend events, especially in January and February. Oh, by the way, we're also going to be speaking about the golden eagle, so don't worry that the other North American eagle is being neglected. One fun thing to do on American Eagle Day, in addition to listening to animals today, is checking out one of the many eagle cams online. So interesting to get up close and watch them raise their young and bring food back to the nest. Hey, Lori, and you know, when I think about bald eagles, I always go back to the founding fathers and how the eagle became our national symbol. Do you ever wonder about that? And I remember this story by Ben Franklin about him wanting the turkey to become part of the national seal or the national animal of the newly formed nation. And, you know, I wanted to find out if that was true or not. So I'll tell you what I learned in a moment. But, you know, after the Declaration of Independence was signed, the Continental Congress gave the job of designing an official seal. You need a seal, new country, to uh, Benjamin Franklin, Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson, and John Adams. And they failed their initial attempts to create a seal. And finally, the task was given to a gentleman named Charles Thompson. He was the secretary of Congress. And Thompson looked at some of the prior renderings and pulled some of the elements. And in particular, he got rid of a little white eagle that they had in one of the previous renderings and added the American bald eagle. And right away, this new drawing, and we'll post the neat drawing that he sketched, and you'll see the American bald eagle and its first inclusion on our national seal. And then the official seal was created from that, and you will recognize it today with the eagle with its outstretched wings, the shield on its chest. And you know, Lori, do you know what the eagle is grasping in one Talon, he's got the 13 arrows, right? And in the other, an olive branch. Even though we look at this symbol many times every day, would you have remembered exactly that little factoid? Anyway, here's the deal on Franklin. My research finds that Franklin made no vocal or written objection to the bald eagle becoming part of the national seal. But there's a letter he wrote to his daughter after the seal was adopted, and he writes... 
For my own part, I wish the bald eagle had not been chosen representative of our country. He is a bird of bad moral character. He does not get his living honestly. You may have seen him perched on some dead tree near the river where, too lazy to fish for himself, he watches the labor of the fishing hawk. And when that diligent bird has at length taken a fish and is bearing it to his nest for the support of his mate and his young ones, the bald eagle pursues him and takes it from him. And then he continues, the turkey is in comparison a much more respectable bird and withal a true original native of America. So that is from Ben Franklin himself in a letter to his daughter, and uh, he liked the turkey. Oh, and one more thing I wanted to add. Did you know there's a reverse of our official seal, and that is the drawing that has the unfinished pyramid and the zenith eye? There's a lot of speculation as to where this came from, but there is a reverse, and you can see it on some of our currency. Anyway, I'll post all this so you can see these examples. There's a lot of interesting things uh, written about our great seal. Now, back to the bald eagle. Bald eagle is one of two eagle species in North America, two main ones, the other being the golden eagle. The bald eagle was very prevalent at the onset of the United States, but it was not really thought of very highly. The uh, settlers saw the bird as competing for natural resources, taking their fish, messing around with their livestock, and consequently they killed the eagles and they also killed them for sport. Native Americans trapped and killed the eagles and used the feathers for ceremonial purposes. It's thought that before European settlement, there were up to a half a million bald eagles across North America. And get this, as late as the mid-1800s, eagles in the winter were reportedly seen in Central Park in Manhattan. They had caught their fish in the nearby rivers and brought them to the park to munch on them. But the eagle populations continued dwindling and dwindling and... Ultimately, it was recognized that some legislation was needed, and in 1940, Congress passed the Bald Eagle Protection Act. This outlawed killing and disturbing of eagles, and you were not allowed to possess parts of eagles, including nests, eggs, and feathers. However, this act was really not strictly enforced. The hunting, which included bounty hunting, was made worse by the introduction of the pesticide DDT, and there is some controversy exactly about how DDT worked to harm the eagle populations. But either way, the populations really, really shrunk. And of course, Rachel Carson's famous book, Silent Spring, that was published in 1962. And ultimately, the pesticide was banned in the U.S. in 1972. A survey in 1963 found only 417 nesting pairs of bald eagles in the entire lower 48 states. Fortunately, the comeback of the bald eagle is one of the great conservation stories in history. Due to enforcement of the Endangered Species Act, captive breeding, and a recognition that we really need to support the species, they have come back and now can be found widely, as well as in Mexico, Canada, and Alaska. In fact, they are no longer considered endangered. Laura, you remember when we saw those eagles when we were in Alaska a few years ago? I sure do. I fortunately had my new telephoto lens and 
took some great pictures. It helps to be able to en enlarge them when you're not really a professional photographer. And I will post them also on, on the website. I wanted to add, there are still some threats to uh, bald eagles. They include illegal shooting. Who would do that is considered the biggest threat to their safety. Also, another threat includes lead poisoning from lead shot, which is used to shoot ducks, which the eagles then uh, eat, power lines, habitat loss, and of course, those wind farms. Peter, that's so informative. Thank you. Yeah, who doesn't love the bald eagle? That's right. Lori, recently in the news, there have been a number of really sad stories about the effects of xylitol, particularly when dogs are eating xylitol. They get very sick and sometimes die. And in fact, the FDA has just released a consumer health information bulletin talking about xylitol and dogs. And you can review this at fda.gov slash consumer. But it's a pretty comprehensive warning about all the foods that contain xylitol, including chewing gum. And I'm going to talk about the specific brands of gum in just a minute, so you can be aware of that. But the xylitol is really dangerous to dogs. You know why? Because it causes a strong release of insulin from the pancreas in dogs, but not in people. And this causes profound decrease in blood sugar, and that can come on in just a few minutes and can be life-threatening. Symptoms of xylitol poisoning in dogs includes vomiting and then decreased activity, weakness, staggering, incoordination, collapse, and seizures, and death. So if you even think your dog has eaten xylitol, you want to bring him or her to the vet or animal hospital immediately. Even before showing these symptoms. Even before. And they may want to keep your dog there for 12 to 24 hours to monitor to make sure this uh, doesn't occur. And you know, interestingly, cats really don't care to eat xylitol. So it's not really a problem with, with them. So what are some of the foods containing xylitol? Well, the items, I'll say, are some sugar-free candies, toothpaste. Some human toothpaste contains xylitol, so you don't want to let your dog near that. And that's the other reason why you don't want to brush your dog's teeth with human toothpaste, by the way. Mouthwash, some nut butters. That's a new thing. Some of these nut butters have added xylitol for sweetness. But the biggest offender appears to be chewing gum. So don't let your dog near chewing gum. And mints too, right, Peter? Yeah, you bet. Some sugar-free mints are sweetened with xylitol. So here are some of the gum brands that contain xylitol. Spry gum, Epic gum, Mirident, Trident and Trident Fusion with xylitol, Trident Extra Care, Icebreakers, Ice Cube, Sugar-Free, and Zelly's Xylitol Gum. So be careful. Don't let your dogs near any of those products. Hi, it's Dr. Lori Kirshner with Animals Today. Today's Animals Today Minute is about giraffe hunting. Within the limitless grassy African plains lies the mighty giraffe, sharing its home with zebras, antelope, lions, cheetahs, and various other animals that make their home in the heart of Africa. These beautiful creatures face deforestation, agricultural conversion, and poaching. Their population has declined at least 40% over the past decade. Today, there are only approximately 80,000 giraffe left in the world. Giraffe numbers are shrinking, and their conservation status is vulnerable on the IUCN red list of threatened species, and the killing of these docile vegetarians continues. Besides the pressure of habitat loss, legal hunting and illegal poaching both occur. Giraffe trophy hunting tourism can be lucrative for the operators and can charge as much as $15,000 for a trip guaranteeing a kill. 
illegal sport hunting is also reported to be prevalent. And poachers continue their own killing, seeking meat and coats primarily. Another factor contributing to the poaching crisis is the use of parts of the tail as a dowry to the fathers of prospective brides in certain cultures. The animals are literally being killed just to obtain the tail. And, as we've heard before, enforcement of wildlife protection laws is extremely challenging. So please check out the important work of Giraffe Conservation Foundation, African Wildlife Foundation, World Wildlife Foundation, and Wildlife Conservation Society to learn more and to see how you can help protect these gentle giants. I'm Dr. Lori Kirshner, and that was your Animals Today Minute. Welcome back to Animals Today. Peter, you gave a nice historical perspective on the bald eagle. Thank you so much. I thought we would talk a little more about how eagles live. So bald eagles aren't actually bald, right? I know. I've, that's always interesting. Yeah. The bald eagle is actually one of the largest raptors in the world. The wingspan ranges from 72 to 90 inches, which is about seven feet. Isn't that amazing? Bald eagles sit at the top of the food chain. Bald eagles can fly to an altitude of 10,000 feet. And during level flight, they can achieve speeds of about 30 to 35 miles per hour. But when bald eagles attack their prey, they swoop down on them at an angle where they can reach speeds up to 100 miles per hour when diving. That's incredible. Incredible for such a large, heavy animal. I That's know. incredible. And 10,000 feet. I would have never guessed that they can get up that high. That's yeah. amazing. Bald eagles have 7,000 feathers. 7,000. That's yeah. a lot more than I would have guessed also. And who would bother to count the feathers <laughs> no. on a bald eagle? Bald eagles can live 20 to 30 years in the wild. Mm. And do you know what a baby bald eagle is called? Mm. Not an eaglet? Yes. Bald eagles eat mainly fish, but they will take advantage of carrion, which is dead and decaying flesh. Yeah, and this is one of the things that got Ben Franklin hot under the collar, it seems. Yes, and all eagles are renowned for their excellent eyesight. So I guess that's where the phrase eagle eye comes eagle. from. Mm-hmm. At around four or five years old, bald eagles will choose a mating partner through a courtship procedure. The courtship includes numerous calls and aerial displays. Once coupled, the two birds will mate for life. And only in the case where one eagle dies or disappears will the other one find a new mate. And as you mentioned earlier, causes of death of the bald eagle, fatal gunshot wounds, electrocution, poisoning, collisions with vehicles, lead ammunition, and starvation. Mm. And Lori, I just want to mention the impact on the bald eagle population from the 1989 Exxon Valdez oil spill. Do you remember that? Yeah. Well, about 247 eagles were thought to have been killed from the oil exposure. The population levels uh, decreased somewhat, not too much, and bounced back by 1995. But still, the eagles don't like oil. No birds like oil. Peter, there are over 60 different species of eagle. But as you mentioned, the bald eagle and the golden eagle are the only ones in North America. So I thought I would talk a minute or two about the difference between the two. First of all, all eagles have excellent eyesight. Both the bald eagle and golden eagle are top predators of the food webs. So what's the difference between bald eagle and golden eagle? Bald eagles are endemic to North America, whereas golden eagles are found everywhere in the Northern Hemisphere. 
The bald eagle is larger than the golden eagle in their sizes. Bald eagles have white color feathers on the head and the tail, whereas golden eagles have golden bordered feathers around the head and the back of the neck. Now the beak of the bald eagle is slightly larger compared to the bill of the golden eagle. Mm. The beak is completely yellow colored in bald eagles, whereas it's dark at the tip and the rest is yellow in golden eagles. Bald eagles prefer fish to others, but golden eagles feed on small mammals as well. The United States, as you clearly explained to us, chose the bald eagle as its national symbol. The people of Mexico adopted the golden eagle as their national symbol. Oh, I never thought about that, but thinking about their currency, yeah, of course. And Lori, the golden eagle, its populations have been more steady than the bald eagle. They were not susceptible or not as susceptible to DDT as the bald eagles were. That's probably because they don't consume fish. They consume mammals as their primary food. So the DDT does not get concentrated in those little mammals like it does in in the fish. The golden eagle was also protected by the 1962 Act. And so these days, the main threats and the main cause of deaths to golden eagles are from human impact, such as collisions with vehicles, wind turbines and other structures, electrocution and things like that. So, Lori, do you think the Founding Fathers made a good choice in retrospect by choosing the bald eagle to be on our national seal, even though now we know the bald eagle steals the food of other animals, eats dead animals, and has low moral character? You still think the bald eagle is a good choice? I do. Franklin didn't know what he was talking about. <laughs> they have high moral character. They're very ethical birds. I think you're right. One of Franklin's missteps. Peter, you know what the first thing that pops up when you do a Google search on eagles? The band? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, know, I figured. <laughs> but that's a good point because eagles, whether they're the band or the bird, I mean, the idea of the eagle is just everywhere in our American culture. And I perhaps in Mexican and other cultures too, but so many products are designed or named after eagles, the connection with excellent vision, we always hear about that. I mean, eagles are everywhere in our culture, on our currency. They're, eagles are everywhere. Yes, it's pretty rewarding when your patients tell you that you've given them the eyes of an eagle. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. Have you seen the cartoons of the great seal being modified to give it a Trump-style bald head instead? No. So there's a, a, now there's a golden hair on our bald eagle in cartoons. Oh, they're going to ruin our emblem. Today's Animals Today Minute is about three of the largest birds on Earth. Did you know that the ostrich is the world's largest bird? It's true. The ostrich typically weighs between 140 pounds and 350 pounds, and the adults stand six to nine feet tall. Ostriches are also the fastest two-legged animal on land. They can run up to 60 miles per hour and sustain that pace for quite a while. Commensurate with their size, the eggs of ostriches are the largest of all bird eggs, weighing about three pounds each and measuring six inches long. Their huge eyes, about two inches across, are the largest of any land animal but also larger than their own brains. They allow the detection of slight movements of potential predators from great distances. Their relatives are cassowaries, emus, kiwis, and rheas. The wandering albatross, or the snowy albatross, is the largest living flying bird. 
It has the largest wingspan of any bird, exceeding 11 feet in some individuals. They fly distances of up to 75,000 miles in a single year, adding up to 15 million miles over one's life. That's some serious mileage. An adult male weighs up to 25 pounds. The wandering albatross employs a flight technique called dynamic soaring to conserve calories and harness the wind's energy to soar beautifully above open waters. And they have a special gland located above their nasal passages, which allows them to regulate their body's salt balance by excreting a concentrated saline solution from it. Recently, their numbers have been rapidly declining, putting them on the red list for conservation status. The emperor penguin is the largest and heaviest species of penguin and is native to Antarctica. They weigh up to 100 pounds and stand 45 inches in height. Like all penguins, they are flightless. Their bodies are exquisitely hydrodynamic and they have strong flippers, both of which make them excellent swimmers. They can swim up to speeds of 12 miles per hour. Emperor penguins can also dive deeper than any other bird and they can hold their breath for more than 20 minutes. The emperor penguins share their labor when it comes to preparing for the young, with the male taking care of newly laid eggs. During that time, male penguins eat nothing for more than two months. The females search for food in the open oceans, collect it in their bellies, and regurgitate the swallowed food for the newly hatched chicks. Emperor penguins all look virtually identical, which makes individual recognition very difficult. To overcome this, emperor penguins have evolved different sounding voices and the ability to recognize the unique voices of their mates or chicks. And that's your Animals Today Minute for today. Hi, this is Lori. And it's Peter here. And make sure you check us out at animalstodayradio.com. Animalstodayradio.com. And visit us on Facebook. And you can also subscribe on iTunes. Listen to us on iTunes. That's animalstodayradio.com. Thanks for listening. AirVet, which is a veterinarian telemedicine platform, cautions pet owners about allowing their dogs to swim in public bodies of water after four dogs became sick this past week after swimming in Lake Travis near Austin, Texas. Peter, we've spoken to veterinarian Robert Reed about dogs getting sick and dying after swimming in lakes and rivers contaminated with toxic blue-green algae blooms. Certain types of algae blooms are highly toxic to dogs. Chief medical officer and co-founder of AirVet said, Out of an abundance of caution, we would strongly recommend against allowing your dog to swim in a lake, river, or body of water that is experiencing any type of algae bloom. Apparently, there are 30 different types of cyanobacteria, which are associated with this blue-green algae and other toxic algae blooms. And exposure can damage the dog's liver, destroy kidney cells, destroy nerve cells, or causes hives and rashes. Symptoms of exposure can include vomiting, diarrhea, lethargy, blood in the stool, pale gums, yellowing of the eyes known as jaundice, seizures, disorientation, coma, and shock. Additionally, muscle tremors, muscle rigidity, paralysis, a bluing of the gums, and difficulty breathing are also signs of exposure to a toxin. Weber says, the bottom line is that if you think your pet may be at risk or if they are experiencing any of these symptoms, contact a veterinarian as soon as possible, as these symptoms are signs that the situation could worsen quickly. And also, uh, another warning that I just recall, sometimes you can't tell if the body of water is affected. It could seem clear or doesn't have a scum on it. So just uh, avoid it. 
Peter, did you hear about this guy in Texas who's doing yard work and came across a rattlesnake? And he thought it'd be a good idea to kill the rattlesnake by taking his shovel and beheading it. Oh, seems logical. Right. Yeah. And as he went to dispose of it, the beheaded snake bit him. Really? Yeah. The man was transported via helicopter to a hospital where doctors said there was a chance he wouldn't make it. Anyway, he, the guy's fine. I mean, this guy couldn't just humanely relocate the snake. He had to kill it. Yeah, sort of revenge of the dead snake. Now, some people just want to kill every snake they come across, but we've talked about the problem of the invasive snakes like in the Everglades, and you've got all these pythons there and just ruining the whole ecosystem. And, you know, what do you do? It's not a easy situation to capture these snakes, and then where do, where do you put them? So they are encouraging people to go and and kill them. It's not a great situation. I don't know what to do about that. That's somewhat different, I think, than come across a snake in your on your ranch or whatever, you just want to kill it. Peter, this this snake was in the guy's backyard. They came across it. The first instinct was, let's kill it. Yeah, well, that's true. Just, you know, relocate it to a neighbor you don't like. (laughs) (laughs) To my eighth grade teacher. Peter, you heard of the show Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Oh, yeah, I remember that. It's a TV show that's been running, wow, long time. Is it still on? Yeah, the game show's still on. I won't die. (laughs) In fact, uh... I don't know, about a month ago, this was a $50,000 question. So, you know, it goes up in increments, right? Mm-hmm. The term allurophile would best define which of these people? A, cat lady. B, horse whisperer. C, butterfly collector. D, bird watcher. Do you know what allurophile means? How do you spell it? I don't know that word. A-I-L-U-R-O-P-H-I-L-E. Hmm. Is this is the game where you can ask for help, like you can... Yeah, eliminate 50%, ask a friend, or... Give me the options again. Butterfly... Cat lady, cat butterfly lady. collector, uh-huh. horse whisperer, yeah. bird watcher. Yeah, okay. Um, I think I could eliminate bird watcher and horse whisperer, Good. so I would do that. Then between cat lady and butterfly collector, I mean, I don't think I could say with confidence. I mean, we talk a lot about cats here, but I've never, never heard that term related to cats or, or butterfly. I don't, I just don't know. But 50,000 bucks, that's some real money there. I think I would want more help. So uh, I'm going to, let's see, I have a smart friend. I'm going to phone that person. Can we do that? Yes. Okay. So I call them and they are, and they happen to be home. (laughs) And uh, they're going to tell me that, uh, go with the cat. I'm going to go with the cat. Is that your final answer? <laughs> that's funny. Okay. okay. What did they say? They say final. Yes, that's it. You are right. Yay. file actually means cat lover. Mm. Lover of cats. Yeah, we've never used that term before, have we? No, okay. I need to add it to my lexicon. Yes, you do. LoriNationalToday.com surveyed a thousand Americans to uh, see how much they like their dogs. Uh, they did it to commemorate take your dog to work day i don't think that's a great holiday i don't think it's a really good idea but still it's a holiday anyway people who have dogs seven out of ten say they like dogs better than people do you find that surprising i don't find that surprising not at all no and among people who are unmarried who have dogs uh, they'd rather spend their time with their dogs than with people well that seems very obvious too 39 percent of women and 23 percent of men say they choose to hang out with their dog over going on a date that's mm-hmm. so our uh, 
Mm-hmm. Shrinking population explained. A lot of dog parents let their dog sleep in bed with them. We know about that. 68% allow that. I don't see the harm in that. It probably does ruin your sleep, though, doesn't it? I don't know. I think it helps. You think it helps? I think it helps. Mm. 10% of Americans say their pet is their best friend. Yep. And here are the uh, top five favorite things Americans do with their dogs. I give my dog a special treat. That's number one, 60%. I tell my dog, I love you, 49%. I buy or make a special gift for my dog, like birthday gift. 36%. I post photos of my dog all over social media. Everyone does that, 30%. And I include my dog in special activities, 25%. We did that. We did a road trip, and uh, we had two dogs with us and brought them to the Grand Canyon. They had a chance to look at the beautiful Grand Canyon site. I hope they appreciated that. How many dogs have a chance to look at the Grand Canyon? I know. That was nice. It was nice. Peter, summer's upon us, and Pet Plan Pet Insurance came out with 10 potentially hazardous summer hotspots for pets. Mm. So let's talk about some potentially avoidable medical emergencies. The first on their list is taking your dog to the beach. Wow, what can happen at the beach? Well, believe it or not, sand consumption can lead to problems like intestinal blockage. Mm. Does your dog just eat sand? You know, I could see it happening. Dogs eat sand, or if you're playing with a, a ball a ball and gets wet and yep. covered with sand, your dog slowly consumes that. Another hazard at the beach, potential hazard, salt water ingestion. That could be serious. Drinking too much salt water can lead to dehydration, disorientation, and seizures. Yeah. Then we have mountain vacations or taking a hike with your dog. It's always a good idea to talk to your vet and find out what vaccinations you might need. For example, tick-borne diseases might be very prevalent in mountains. Yes, like uh, Lyme disease. Yeah. That's tick-borne. And I guess like every year we're learning that it's more and more common than previously thought. And there's a vaccine for yes. dogs, not for people though. Right, that exactly. Got, that got squashed. Relaxing with your dog at the lake. Well... Many dogs, when they see standing water, they just want to jump right in it. But many standing water sources harbor a host of intestinal parasites and bacteria that can cause illnesses like giardia, algae poisoning, and skin rashes, and infections like leptospirosis. Oh, yeah. We know about leptospirosis. Dr. Robert Reed did a nice segment about that and reminded us that it's uh, frequently overlooked. Yes. And according to this, what I'm reading here, the cost to treat a case of leptospirosis, I don't know if I believe this, but I guess it's the case, is $6,550. Gee. Wow. Hitting the pool with your pup. Well, just like you can be irritated by the chlorinated water, chlorine can irritate pets' sensitive eyes and skin. Also, Peter, there's something called dry drowning where pets unknowingly inhale water and then later develop life-threatening issues such as pulmonary edema. I know. So be careful about that. Next on the list is going on the road with your pet. Well, do I have to say this again? Never, ever leave your dog in the car, even for a minute. Temperatures in cars can climb very quickly, putting your pet in serious jeopardy. I guess people like taking their dogs to backyard bashes and cookouts. Well, what can go wrong there? <laughs> kid pulls dog's tail, dog, dog bites kid. And lawsuit ensues. <laughs> exactly. Barbecue burns is listed as a very common occurrence wow. in 
backyard bashes. Your dog consuming things he shouldn't consume. Like for one, charcoal briquettes. You know what that is? It's yeah. a compressed block of coal dust or other combustible materials. Yeah, a dog might eat that. I, yeah, it has gee. chicken flavoring on it or whatever, right? <laughs> oh, I see. After it's yeah. like cooled. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. You and know, then, I could see a dog like breaking into, tearing into a, like a plastic garbage container filled with scraps. Oh, you bet. That's what I see as the risk. And maybe getting into someone's drink or alcohol or something like that. Right. And speaking about foods that could be toxic or poisonous for your animal, onion, garlic, chives, right? Right. Raw, undercooked meats and eggs that can cause food poisoning from salmonella and E. coli. And fat trimmings from bones. Yeah. Not to mention the bones. Exactly. Dogs like chewing on the bones that can splinter. They can obstruct. Yep. And avocados. Avocados? People... I didn't know about that. And grapes and raisins. Well, you grapes knew that, everyone right? knows about yeah. that. Yeah. And then, of course, we all know about chocolates and xylitol. Anyway, next potential summertime hazard is taking your dog to the dog park. Wow. Peter, didn't we do like a whole two segments on hazards at dog parks? Hidden hazards? I know. One of our favorite topics. Yes. They look so inviting, you know, and so idyllic. And there's dangers. Dozens of dangers you need to be aware of at dog parks. So animalstodayradio.com and go to the archive page and just check it out. Type in the search box, dog Dog parks. Right. Next on the list, campfires. Okay. Campfire sparks and flames. Right. Pretty risky. Fur and fire. Never a good mixture. Fur and fire. Oh, that's good. That needs a product. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, since the 4th of July is approaching us. Oh, yes. The 4th of July with the fireworks and all the scared lost dogs. When's the last time we went out on a 4th of July? Oh, a decade or two. We don't. We We stay in with our dogs. Yeah. As temperatures climb, please remember never to leave your dog in the car, even for just a minute. Because even with the windows cracked and your car parked in the shade, the temperature inside can climb up in a matter of minutes, high enough to kill your pet. If you love your dog, leave them at home. And if you see a dog or other pet in a car, you may only have a minute to save their life. Here are a couple steps you can take. Make an announcement in the store or business that the car is parked nearest to. Also, call the police department or animal control right away. Remember, it only takes a minute or two for a dog to get seriously ill or die in a car on a warm day. So swift action can save a life. Dogs are unable to cool themselves the way people can. So never leave a dog or any animal inside a car on a warm day, not even for a minute. This message is brought to you by Advancing the Interests of Animals. Check them out at AIanimals.org. That's AIanimals.org. Hi, this is Dr. Lori Kirshner, host of Animals Today. Do you ever wonder what you can do to be nicer to animals and to help them? Here are a few things you can do to show your appreciation to our furry friends. You can donate to or volunteer at your local animal shelter. Walking the dogs and playing with the cats is a meaningful way to make a difference in the lives of homeless animals in our shelters. 
You can be a foster parent if you have the extra time and space. Becoming a foster parent is a wonderful way to take some of the burden off our overcrowded shelters by giving an animal a loving place to live until a forever home is found. Increase your appreciation for wildlife by providing a welcoming space around your home for butterflies, hummingbirds, and other creatures. Also, by simply driving cautiously through areas populated by wildlife such as deer, you're acting with compassion. These are only a few ideas to encourage you to continue thinking about acting kindly towards animals. This message is sponsored by Advancing the Interests of Animals. Please visit us at aianimals.org. That's aianimals.org. And here are a few more ways to be kind to animals, beginning with this. Report suspected animal abuse or neglect. If you see an underfed dog or an animal left in a car on a hot day, report it right away. You can be saving a life. Try a vegetarian or even better, a vegan diet, even just beginning with one day a week. Decreasing and then eliminating your consumption of animals is probably the best way to show your appreciation for them and for the environment, too. Don't buy cosmetics or household products that have been tested on animals. That's easy these days, and there are apps to guide your purchases. And finally, don't wear clothing made from animals. Say no to fur and leather, and then you can give up wool and silk as well. It's easier than you might imagine. This message is sponsored by Advancing the Interests of Animals. Visit us at aianimals.org. That's aianimals.org. Okay, welcome back to Animals Today. Fourth of July is coming in. Lori has got some guidance for you and your pets on that. You know what bothers me the most is people who think they should bring their dogs to a Fourth of July event, like a fireworks display. That is just uh, uh, crazy, but once in a while you see a not-so-smart person with their dog. But before we get to the anxiety-inducing stimuli of Fourth of July celebrations, if you wanted to give your dog a little cool treat here are some ideas and you can probably mix up your own but you can use ingredients like peanut butter and little chopped up pieces of fruit like banana or apple and even watermelon and you can make them nice frozen treats like in large pieces of ice filled with these stuff or you can make a smoothie even with these and just freeze it in a brick and let them gnaw on that for a while or lick it up and uh or put it in a Kong toy. Oh, my goodness. They love that. Oh, I love that. Yes. <laughs> I have a big Kong toy. And there are recipes online. Some of them also use yogurt as a binder or pumpkin even. You can just freeze pureed pumpkin and make a little square out of that. Let's try that. No, that's a good idea. Yeah. But make sure you check online first as to what fruits are healthy to give to your pets. Yes. Some fruits, not all fruits are healthy to give to your pets and not all pets can tolerate yogurt or milk-based products. Yep, but everyone likes peanut butter. Everyone likes peanut butter. Oh, yeah. Fourth of July is coming. I'm nervous. Me too. This is like my least favorite holiday because I worry about my animals and their anxiety. I know, and this is another thing that makes me just want to stay in the house and make sure everyone's okay. Exactly. I feel like a little prisoner right. around 4th of July. We never go and out. And around here, they shoot fireworks not only on the 4th of July, they shoot it the whole whole weekend. Right. And then the next weekend, they've right. got leftovers, so they're shooting them then too. It's just terrible. So anyway, Healthy Paws Pet Insurance asks pet parents across the country what they do to help their pets conquer fireworks-induced anxiety. And survey results show that pet parents often use a combination of popular calming methods, including 
56% turn on music or television to drown out the noise. I like that. 54% snuggle with their pets to make them feel safe. That doesn't work for us. It doesn't work. 30% create a safe space with their favorite toys or treats close at hand. That's a good idea. 21% dress them in a thunder shirt or those similar wraps to help with their anxiety. You know what I'm talking about there, Peter? Yeah, I'm a sort of a thundery skeptic. 14% give them treats with CBD oil treats or, or another calming ingredient. Mm-hmm. 4% go camping or to a part of town unaffected by a firework noise, which is a great idea. Yeah, if you can find one. Right. Homeopathic remedies. So rescue remedy, skullcap, Valerian liquid, melatonin, Uh and essential oils in a diffuser. And Pets Parents have started using CBD oil treats as well. What do you know about any of those, Peter? Yeah, I know about this valerian root extract. This is an herb that people take also. It's useful for anxiety, they claim. And if it's safe for your pets, why not try it? And then uh, skullcap is another plant. And uh, this is supposed to have about a dozen different beneficial Attributes. So I find myself skeptical about that, but one of them includes being an anti-anxiety agent. I don't see the harm. And we've purchased in the past those diffusers that you plug in with uh-huh. lavender in them. And yes, that calms me down. I like that. Okay. Uh-huh. And melatonin. You know, I don't have a lot of experience in melatonin in animals. I wonder, I mean, it helps you sleep. And lots of people take it to help them fall asleep, but I, I don't know about using it like as a once in a while for anxiety. So good idea to talk to your vet about these homeopathic remedies. Stay inside and let them hide, some of the pet parents responded in the survey. Unfortunately, 22% of the pet parents report that nothing they've tried it relieves their pet's stress during the fireworks. Many pet parents stay indoors with them, like Peter and I do, that we never let them outside alone, never. We close the curtains and act normal. One parent says, Oh yeah, act normal. Act normal. Right. Right. They will feed off your anxiety. They will know when you're stressed about this. One parent says, quote, my dogs run to my closet, so I make space for her to hide. And they chew your shoes. And of course, you can't let them run out. You got to keep your doors closed. So if you're going in and out, make sure they're not freaking out and try to escape. Right. Another response, I recently purchased the Privacy Pop. They make them for pets, but I bought the single bed size so I could pop up the tent and snuggle with them. They just love it. Oh, that's like a little cave. I don't like that. Oh, you don't like that? I don't know. Maybe it'll work for some people. Okay. Yeah. And then finally, sedatives. You got to be careful about this, though. Many of the pet parents surveyed responded that they gave their pets vet-approved tranquilizers mm-hmm. like Xanax and other mild sedatives. Yeah, alprazolam is Xanax. That works great but for make sure, nervous dogs. Right, make sure you get the you proper get the right dosage dose you from get your the vet. okay, right. no interactions. Right, right, right. Uh, Don't do it yourself. Right. So, Lori, what's your favorite food on 4th of July? Well, I'm just going to tell you what I like you to make me. How's that instead? I know what you like. Okay. You want me to tell you? I'm trying to have a little bit of a traditional feeling. And uh, being a vegan, uh, I like to have my veggie hot dog or veggie dog and my whole wheat bun and my baked beans and my pickle, sauerkraut, and beer. Yes, I knew you wouldn't forget that last item. No, beer before and after, actually. So... 
Have a happy and safe 4th of July. And keep your dogs and cats and other pets happy and safe too. Thank you for tuning in to Animals Today. This is Dr. Lori Kirshner encouraging you to nurture your love and compassion for the only other beings sharing our planet. The animals. Arf, arf, arf.